This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mania. And I'm Luc-Olivier Dumeble. And our topic this week is... Reinvesting into my photography skills. Finally, a photography episode. I've been waiting two years. Yes, yes, yes. But before we get into that, I have some follow-up. So first of all, some follow-up for episode 166. Uh, The YouTuber mini-disc arms race continues. Uh... (laughs) YouTubers are out on the quest to find the most obscure gadgets using Minidisc. And uh, this week, we've got a real banger for you. Uh, Cathode oh, yes. Ray Dude on YouTube uploaded this video about a Sony Minidisc camcorder. And it's insane. It's based on the MD, technolo- MD data technology I mentioned during follow-up on the last episode. And it is a 39-minute roller-, roller coaster of emotions. Uh, oh, yes. Just when you think the... Th- when you think that the camcorder can't get any weirder, it just keeps going and keeps going. So I highly recommend you stick with the video for the entire 39 minute length, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Next up is follow up for episode 165. That was the episode we did about fighting game netcode. And I just want to bring up the two major games with rollback netcode have come out over the last week. Uh, the first was Melty Blood Type Lumina, which is the first Melty Blood game in a decade. And the second is Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, which is basically mm. Smash Brothers with Nickelodeon characters. Um, unfortunately, both are reported to have similar, uh, one-sided rollback issues to Street Fighter V, which is very unfortunate. Uh, however, it does seem likely that uh, the Nickelodeon game will be patched. Uh, it's maybe a bit more of a toss-up for Melty Blood because it is an independent Japanese game, and usually that doesn't mean they get maintained for very long. So it's more of a toss-up, let's say. Uh, and another thing related to rollback netcode is that this morning an interview was posted about uh, KOF 15, King of Fighters 15, which is coming out next year and also uh, has been announced to have rollback netcode. And the director of the game said something that was a little bit concerning, which is that he says delay-based netcode is better if you have a good connection, which is strictly untrue. Uh, delay-based netcode <laughs> and rollback netcode both behave identically in the best-case scenario where you have a really good connection. So the fact that he doesn't really seem to understand how rollback works is not necessarily the greatest thing. Uh, but fingers crossed that it's going to turn out okay because KOF 15 is looking like a great game otherwise. So that's it for rollback. Next up is some follow-up to episode 163, which was the Sony missteps uh, where uh, we were talking about how they were going to close down the PS3 and Vita stores, and then they uh, went back on that decision. However, they announced uh, some PS store payment infrastructure changes this week that may hint as to why they wanted to take the stores offline. So starting October 27th, Credit card, debit card, and PayPal purchases will no longer be possible on the PS3 and PS Vita stores. Uh, the only accepted payment method on those systems will be your existing wallet balance. Uh, and you will be only be able to charge your wallet through the web, PS4, or PS5 systems. Uh, and uh, one of my friends seems to have verified that this is due to the implementation of 3d secure which uh funnily enough was one of the tasks i was going to be assigned to do at my job before i quit uh so (laughs) i'm very familiar with the thing and depending on how your checkout is originally implemented this can do a number of things Uh, it can be rather uh, complex to implement into your uh, existing checkout flow if you didn't plan for it ahead of time and the other thing is uh I forgot what I was going to say. That's great. Good job, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it can be a pain if you didn't uh, plan for it. And God damn it. 
<laughs> I really don't remember. <laughs> this is why I should have written it down. Oh, well. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's basically why they're doing it. Uh, they want to put 3D Secure into the system. All oh, right, the other thing. PCI DSS scope. Uh, it can mm. change your PCI DSS scope uh, if you choose to implement this, which is what's going to be the case at work, which is why I'm kind of glad that I bailed. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, so that's one of the things. Basically, if you're not familiar with that expression, it changes the entire uh, security norms you have to respect around uh, the storage of card numbers and all of that stuff and opens you up to a bunch of audits and infrastructure changes and it's a giant pain in the ass. Uh, but it's it's ultimately for the good because it's more secure that way, but it's also a pain in the ass. Uh, so uh, that's probably why Sony didn't want to bother uh, putting in the effort to re-implement that on those older systems because I can't imagine the volume of transactions going through those systems right now is enough to warrant the effort that would be needed to actually do that correctly. And I do believe it's a fair trade-off, you know, like if they're providing to customer a more secure way to uh, like refill your account and your balance and you can still use it on those older platforms i think it's a fair trade-off like people will still be able to buy digital games on those older platforms they yes might have to go through uh more loops than before to buy those but the option still exists and hopefully will still exist for years to come what I'm really not sure about is the PS3 has a browser and the PS Vita has a browser. I don't know if the web store can be accessed from that browser, though. Uh, I know they've mm. updated it rather recently, and I'm not sure it necessarily works on the those browsers, but it would be funny to try it out and see if it actually works. But yeah, uh, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of people complaining about this change. And honestly, knowing what I do about how significant a change this could be to the implementation of those checkout flows... I think this is a lot better than what was originally planned, which was just to shut down the store entirely. Uh, this is a pretty great compromise, honestly, uh, for this. And if you're interested, you can still buy things, but you don't have to deal with this old system that is outdated and less secure. Right. And if you have any other, excluding Yannick and I, like uh, payments developer friends, when you mention PCI to them, they'll, I'm sure, like... It will ick them and they'll freak out and be like, what do you want? Things that would be like reactions to you talking about PCI to them. Yeah. Uh, last bit of follow-up is for episode 147. That was when I was talking about my personal projects. And I just want to point out that uh, the first Mac release of Scizora is almost complete. Uh, I'm basically feature complete right now. Uh, and by the time you hear the next episode, it should be out. So look forward to that. Um, in the last couple of days, I've completely implemented playlist support and it can now actually play music, which is pretty important for a music player. Uh, nice. And uh, just to give a tease of the next episode, the next episode is going to focus on my experience with AppKit as someone who has primarily written iOS software in the past. So look forward to that in two weeks. That is it for my follow-up. Now we can get into the great topic that I've been waiting so long to talk about. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, it is kind of, it is a strange thing because it's not a direct uh, relation to our like mini photo episode topic in the follow-ups uh, section of the last episode. But as we mentioned in that section, like Yannick and I are more or less, we're not like literally dying, but we're close to that level, uh, trying to talk about photography and especially about the camera themselves, as you can uh, remember with the 10 minute <laughs> follow up section, just talking about Sony cameras. 
while I said I wouldn't choose this topic, I kind of a lied a bit and b uh, realized that for this week, with uh, what's happening in my personal life, I really wanted to talk about that. Um, so that's why this is this week's topics, and here we are. So today, expect me and Albertinic too to talk about the multiple facets of photography. Uh, I'll be mainly focusing on improving my skills and the joy, the journey I'm going through currently. Uh, but again, it wouldn't be a Limipo episodes if we wouldn't talk about some hardware. So expect that to uh, closer to the end of uh, this episode. Uh, I would like to talk about cameras a bit. I've heard that Yenix have some possible uh, outtakes. I don't know, but uh, he wants to talk about some of the new uh, iPhone 13 camera features, but that's going to be later in the show. So let's jump into the main topic, which is the main reason why photography is on my mind these days. And the main reason is I is because I've decided to put the renewed focus to improve my skill. But before we talk about what I'm doing to improve my skills, I want to explain where I got uh, this renewed energy and again, where I really like where photography came back as a good topic I want to spend uh, my attention to in the recent days. And as you might expect, because I've said the word hardware 10,000 times in the last <laughs> three minutes, it all started with wanting to buy a new camera. So a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to APTP episode 443. And during their typical Ask ATP segment, a listener submitted a really, really good question, which was the following. What camera slash lens should I rent for a Disney World trip? While I don't want to dwell too much into marco casey and john's answers <laughs> i really recommend that a you go listen to it yourself i'll have a link in the show notes but again i made the should i say honest mistakes but let's let's call it for sure mistakes so i start to look at the recommendation uh, and especially the one recommended by marco and if you've been an avid ATP listener, or if you've listened to ATP when they talk about buying shit, uh, you know why Marco's recommendations are never good for your wallet. <laughs> so let's go through the list of recommendations. So the first one was a Leica Q2, which is a full frame a camera, 28 millimeter fixed lens that was launched in March 2019. And you can, if you know cameras and you like them, <clears throat> it's expensive. Or B, uh, the Fuji Film X100V, it's which is an APS-C camera with the 23 fixed lens, which is a 35 millimeter equivalent for full frame camera that was recently launched in February 2020. Again, uh, this episode really or especially this exact question uh, in the Ask ATP segment really picked my interest. So I made mistake number two after reading the release, uh, the release notes, uh, the show notes, is I started to look at said cameras by like, of course, they had links in the show notes, but I started to go look at the reviews of said cameras. And that's mistake number two. Um, quick aside though on like I can get rid of it. I'm not saying I want to buy a Leica. Uh, but while there are amazing cameras, if you look all, at all the reviews, the best comparison to my liking to Leica is what fancy analog watches are to a lot of people. They are like a luxury item. And by saying that, I'm not trying to negate their 
qualities, their aptitude as a camera, nor its abilities, because they are also great cameras. But to me, they are kind of a, a beautiful piece of, I guess, aluminum, because a lot of them are made using that <laughs> material, compared to a camera. So it's kind of always something you kind of want to dream. It's kind of a luxury camera. It's not you want to eat because... Yes, they have great glass, they have great lens, but to me, it's not, I know people use them, but it's not something you want to use daily. So it's kind of a, always a dream of owning one. But again, it was fun that the first recommendation was, I think it's a $3,000 USD camera for going to a, a, a trip that will cost you at least that, uh, if you go with the family and things. So. What I do find funny, though, is I do know some people who do use a Leica as a daily driver camera just because it's the camera they love the most, right? And that for right. a lot of people, that's the thing. And I think uh, I'm not necessarily convinced that Leica is that great of a camera company. They're more of a good lens company. And you can use hmm. a lot of Leica lenses adapted on mirrorless systems. Uh, I know huh. it's very frequent to see uh, people on uh, Sony cameras using Leica lenses via adapters. And of course, you have to manually focus. But I believe you have right. to manually focus on Leicas anyway. I don't think they have autofocus anyway. Hmm. Um, so like big deal that's part of the charm with like a lens right. is you have to manually focus the things um but yeah i see it done quite a bit and those photos are fucking amazing so if you don't have necessarily the budget to get the camera sometimes the lenses might be worth it and there are like weird russian clones of the like a lenses but i don't want to get into <laughs> that <laughs> why am i not surprised there are weird clones of those cameras but again, I mentioned two cameras this time. Uh, oh, even Marco mentioned two cameras for this recommendation. And that's when I moved my attention to the uh, Fujifilm X100V, which, if I recall correctly, I forgot to take note of it, uh, is the, I think, even if it says, yeah, I don't think it's on purpose, but it is the fifth, I think, iteration of that camera. Uh, it's the, like, Mark V, if you want to use, uh, I guess, uh a Canon's nomenclature, uh, but it is the the latest camera in the X100 series, and what a mistake I made! Um, again, you know, like I was quite curious, and I, it's always fun to see professional using nice cameras and what they can do with them. And there's also the aspect of hey, it's a good gadget too. Like you know, uh, I'm not negating that camera these days are also a good gadget, but. Uh, that's kind of where I kind of started to fell in love with the camera. I was like, okay, I don't want to go tonight. To we'll go later to, tonight, but not right now. Into the big tech specs and everything, which I won't go to into too much details for that. But I read an handful of reviews for the X100V, and it was hard to not like it. And while reading a lot of those reviews and even like starting to literally shop around uh, on review sites, not on uh, e-commerce sites, uh, one thing that was echoing in my head was Jenny's voice. Uh, Jenny's voice, uh, when you especially said when we're talking about Sony cameras, is I mainly use my camera my camera doing trips, and currently I'm not traveling for obvious reasons. So. Why would I spend money right now on a big purchase? Yes, I could practice and everything, but uh, it felt a bit weird to spend a lot of money and not have a travel reason, which is also where I would heavily use my camera. I will 
add a caveat though, which is right now a lot of people have extra money because they're not traveling or going out very much. I which know. would make this a good time to actually use that money for something that you'll be able to use once the pandemic is less of an issue in our lives. Um, but like, yeah, I, I also feel the same thing. It's like, well, I could buy a camera now, or I could just wait until I'm allowed to go to Japan again and buy whatever Sony camera is out then. Uh, so there's always that weird tension between like when you're going to buy things. Right. And to me, the, the, this listener's question like kind of echoes to me too, because last time I spent quote unquote big bucks on quote unquote a camera was literally when I did uh, my trip to Disney World in 2019, just before the pandemic, and I upgraded my iPhone 10 to my iPhone 11 Pro because my goal for this trip was to try what happens if I decide to go on a trip without my DSLR for once. And uh, I can show, I've shared a couple of pictures, not exactly publicly, but uh, for most cases, it was great and fine. Um, so... Knowing that I didn't want to spend right now too much big bucks. And again, uh, I didn't have also the motivation of a concrete trip coming. Like I was like, ah, it's a lot of money for no reason kind of uh, thinking. Uh, and I'm not saying that, especially if I would to consider the uh, X100V, I'm not saying it's overpriced. I think it's well priced for what I would like to spend on a camera. But again, not really interested to spend that money currently. Uh, not knowing when I would start to extensively use a camera. And that's when it hit me. I had a realization, my goodness, I'll start to say tonight. Uh, But before I go into this realization, I would like to bring another camera that I I was always in awe of. And again, I made a mistake to look into because again, you go on dpreviews.com, you look at those cameras and then you start to click around and then you go look at other cameras. It's like going on Wikipedia and you click around on on multiple links. Yeah, but everything can cost you money on DP Review. (laughs) Agreed. So while... Especially you add great works because we'll be talking quickly about the Sony camera. You had great words about it in a specific manner in the last episode, especially regarding its upgrade cycle. <laughs> I always found that I always found that I really enjoy uh, the qualities of the Sony RX100 series. Uh, but one thing you mentioned, not in the episode, but to, to like privately in our conversation, is that at this point, even with the RX100 Mark. Uh, 100 Mark 7, it's more or less an iPhone camera with a better zoom lens on it, and that's pretty it. And the reason I bring this camera again is because I was listening to the Test Driver podcast this week, and Austin Evans had an amazing quote during the episode. I'll have a link in the show notes to the right timestamp, but he was talking about the new iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 Pro. After the announcement, before they got it, I'm a bit late on my podcast queue. Don't judge me. But it was more or less saying that the sensor for the main wide camera in the iPhone 13 is getting close in size to the similar one-inch sensor found into the RX100. And while not, I'm not saying that I shouldn't trust my good friend Yannick when he said such things, the fact that other people are repeating the exact same thing kind of blew my mind again. I was like... I was always in the awe. It was one of the achievable cameras I would like to to try and play with uh, at some point. But it's realized that I kind of have missed its like 
prime period without yeah. making a bad joke uh oh bad pun i should say but it, it felt that maybe i should have either borrowed one maybe two three four years ago then trying to do that right now um but yeah so i kind of realized that you know what like if i were to think about camera priorities and things like that uh this is not the one uh but one thing i really enjoyed though is its performance size optimization which means mm-hmm. it's a good point of shoot size camera which with near dslr mirrorless performance and that to me was compelling yeah when the first rx100 came out it was mind-blowing camera and i i was amongst the people who was parading this thing as like a basically a miracle of photography technology it was a really good camera it had zeiss optics it had really good sensor size for point and shoot at the time all that stuff great camera and it only got better especially when people started realizing that it's also a really good video camera and it started being mm-hmm. like the go-to camera for vloggers and all of that stuff it became like this this hero product in the product line and i think it even sort of went up market because of that because sony realized like we're undercharging for this camera that is basically the only vlog camera anyone wants to buy uh if they don't want to buy an interchangeable lens camera uh for a while and that was really like its prime period and but if you were interested in the photograph photography aspect of it it kind of like the APS-C sony cameras in a way yes it was getting upgrades but the upgrades were not as significant from generation to generation as you would think. Mm. And that sort of led to this weird pattern where the iPhone sort of outsped it. And now I think if you're looking at it as a photo camera, yes, it's going to be better than the iPhone in certain scenarios. But I think a lot of the computational photography stuff that the iPhone does now can just kind of give better photos. All good points. And you know what? There's a reason why I talked about the X100V, then I said I had a realization, but I also wanted to talk about the X100 because I want you to go through my thought process of the last few weeks. And it's really a bit mindful when, especially we talk about cameras, Yannick and I, Yannick is not good at helping me, and I guess I'm not good at helping me and not buy a camera. But uh we're at the moment where with all of what Yannick has said, I was like, ah, oh, crap, I really wanted to try an X- RX100. And was getting frustrated myself because I was kind of getting back to the same state of mind that Yannick had when he was talking about the Alpha cameras. Is I kind of want a new gadget, but there's not something out there right now that would fit my need. So while all the researching and the reading of the reviews and talking to Yannick about that was really fun... I didn't want to buy a camera without a purpose. And that's when it hit me again. Somebody was, that was not Yannick this time though, that was talking inside of my head, the voice of my performance driving instructor. <laughs> yes, those people. And hear me out because it's, it is important. So I'll set the stage. Let's say you're me. You go to driving events and let's see you meet people and we won't be too stereotypical but let's say they have a lot of money and they're all and they're white so you can imagine and they love to brag about their new sports car that they have a better sports car than the other friend and they have to create those fake competitions where it's more or less like who has the biggest wallet and not the best driving skills where they compare also their driving skills to their car but not what they can do on the track um 
or the other type of person where they love to spend a shit ton of money on performance modification to their car without not really spending money on themselves. And you'll see why it is important I said themselves. Because I mean you as a driver. And that's when I was like, wait, one of the best quote I could get from the performance instructor, the performance driving instructor is they were always saying that the best mod you can do to your car is spending money on you sharpening your skills if you have a thousand two dollars to put on an exhaust system or a thousand dollars to put in classes of course they are instructed they want you to put it on their classes fair but i think as a if you were just to talk about that with a teacher of a certain skill set yes you can do magic things with better tools but you can always do extra with improving your skills Gran Turismo 4 B-Spec mode is very in agreement with you because my drivers are complete <laughs> shit and the car is not the problem. See? And that's when I realized I was looking at this problem with my gadget nerd eyes and not with, here's an opportunity to, yes, maybe spend money a little bit and you'll see I have a couple of opportunities I'm looking into. But the idea is... I'll still be doing photography and I'll still kind of fulfilling this niche by refocusing, rechallenging this energy and not just spending money just to... And I'm not saying I, I do that with cameras and I'm like, oh, look at my shiny camera. I have the best camera. Not really my style. But again, there's gadget in life or if you're a gadget person, you kind of start to echo uh, some of the feelings that Yannick and I are sharing with the Rosie because oh yeah I really want this new camera because it's new it has those new functionalities even if you might not know or you might struggle to properly use them correctly so that's literally when I decided that to not kill this itch because photography throughout (laughs) my last 15 years is kind of a, a passion or kind of a uh, I'll be of mine, I should say. It doesn't passion because I like it, but I don't mind when I don't do it for a year and then I really enjoy it when I do it after a break. Uh, like something you can say that about me not programming for a whole year. Like that will be quite different or even drive, not driving for a whole year. That will be literally crazy. But it is always something I really enjoy doing. And now that I really want to spend the next few months putting more energy into that, that's the place where I want to look into is improving my skills. But I was thinking, where should I start? I'm not saying that you need to get training to be a good photographer. That's not what I want to say. But I always felt that with the knowledge I accumulated with friends, with sharing with others throughout those years, is I knew enough uh, enough of the foundation to be, let's say, dangerous. Like I was talking at work with a friend that used to be a photogra- a professional photographer, like to make a living out of that before. Uh, and he's also really enjoying cameras and everything. So he was also a bad influence. Uh, but again, he was talking to me about like shooting techniques and blah, 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 using like a lot of, of like aperture ISO, like you use your 200 millimeter lens and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, everything you say, I understand and I'm able to process it, but it's like, again, if I compare it when, when I went to driving experience on the track with instructor, it's like, oh, you did do, you detail, oh, you turn here, you do this, you, you turn a bit before this apex in the corner and all of those things. Like, I understand those things, but to get the knowledge and the skills to 
look at the situation and you make those choices, I don't feel comfortable enough to be able to do that. And because I put myself in those situations, those no strips, and sometimes I realize that I'm more like struggling with the camera than enjoying the strip or trying to capture the trip with those pictures. So that's why I decided that if I were to do training, I kind of don't mind. Like I don't mind going back to the basics, going back to possible like beginner's level type of content because I kind of want to bring back, make sure that what I know is not shaky knowledge if you understand what i mean like i kind of i'm half right and half wrong because i took bad shortcuts throughout my years of exploring photography and all of this is to bring uh, to possibly bring back next time i go on a trip and be more able to enjoy this trip while also having the tools to see let's say a scenery and be like, okay, because the light is in this direction, I need to do X, Y, and Z and not just like oh, spend five minutes and now oh, I try this, look at the camera, I try something else, look at the camera. I, I need to be a bit more comfortable and I guess, yeah, comfortable, I guess more, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but more sure of my skills, more reassured of my skills. And I think that's going to be helpful. So now that I've the, my mindset put, now that I reflect excuse me on the mindset I want to improve and literally the skills I want to improve I started to look at where can I get those skills and knowledge right now this year in 2021 like I could have looked at other places like 10-15 years ago when I bought my DSLR but maybe those places have changed so that's where it led me so the first place I went to is I looked at the content that was available to me in the comfort of my home. And here I mean online learning platform. I think photography, you could talk about also video processing, video editing, is the type of content that is pretty popular on online learning platform. And you could have said, as me, a car person that really loves to watch YouTube video, that I could go on YouTube too. But my focus went on online platform because some timing was quite perfect. When I was in the itch to get photography content, uh, it was also the same recent moment that work decided to offer to the employees uh, LinkedIn Learning, which was previously lynda.com, as a oh, subscription right. to all the employees uh, that are willing to, to watch some courses and do that on a recurring basis, part of our more or less of our learning and improving program as employees at work. And there's no restriction, like not because I'm an iOS developer that should watch iOS content. Uh, they were like, do whatever you want. We just pay it. And the only restriction is you do one course every three months. And if you do that, we'll keep your subscription paid by the work. I was like, you know what? That's perfect. Great timing for that. And it was interesting because again, not, no judgment. Like people might say, oh, for photography, uh, this other one is more interesting. If it is, please send it, send the recommendation to me. I would really want to watch it. But what I discovered quickly when I looked at uh, LinkedIn Learning is, A, first of all, it was LinkedIn.com and a lot of the old content from LinkedIn.com is still alive. Again, also for photography. So it's funny, sometimes that w some of the course I watched, they was like, oh, you can find the other, uh, my other course, like the, the instructor saying, oh, you can find my other courses on LinkedIn.com. I was like, yeah, no longer LinkedIn.com. But for the few courses I watched already, their photography content really hit 
the spot where it gives me all the knowledge I want in the confirm of my own, but like kind of like this refreshing of the foundation of those skills needed to then layer on top more advanced technique. And like just by watching the content, I've watched, I think, three courses now. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember like this rule up like I don't have a concrete example. I have a couple of notes that I didn't write in my notes, but I have photography notes I'm taking care of. Uh, but I recall that, yeah, you know what? Like, this is something I recall a friend telling me to be careful of doing. Um, one of the base, like the beginner's lesson was introduction to photography, which was, uh, one of the examples is they were, yes, they were using DSLR, but they were always an automatic and they were telling you for example, like always half press your shutter button so that you're always ready and that your autofocus system is always ready to capture. You don't have to wait to do a full deep press. And not that I was not doing that, but kind of the layering they were doing because in the next session, it's like now that you're used to have your finger always half trigger the trigger, here's what you need to think after that. And this layering is really useful and I really would like to continue uh, watching this. I think it, only this week I've watched 45 minutes every night. Uh, not every night, for I think two, three nights this uh, uh, this week. Just trying to not catch up, but get more knowledge. The main downside to a platform like LinkedIn.com, it's, oh, LinkedIn Learning, excuse me. Uh, it's not about the platform itself, but it's about the comfort from my home is while it's nice, it's easily available. Yes, you can download it on your iPad. And I think, I think they offer offline a mode. I haven't installed the iPad app yet, but the main downside to this approach of online learning is they don't tell me incentive. They don't give me incentive or give me the motivation to go out and shoot. Yes, I get the knowledge, but there's little to no incentive to go practice. And again, um, if we compare it, uh, and we'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but if we compare it to me doing photo management and all that stuff, I never do it. Uh, I felt <laughs> that those courses, they don't give you the, the spark, the, the, even I will say this way, the homework to, because, oh yeah, go, go practice what we learned today. I'm like, but exactly what we would like to practice. And while a lot of the techniques learned in those platforms can be tried in the confirm at your home, like shooting in different environment is good to sharpen your skills. And that's where I start to explore at other things. I don't think online platform will go away from me learning more techniques and learning more knowledge about photography. But I need a strong motivation to do the thing, if you see what I mean. And that's when I start to explore who can provide like in-person courses? And again, with the pandemic, when the pandemic is a bit harder, but life is getting better here. Uh, that's I'll say it this way. So I looked: is, are they are there any like photography classes around, like locally in my area? And kind of knew the answer already. I didn't have to look because uh, a local photography chain chain here called Gosnay Photo offers that. They offer like a wide course of a work, excuse me, a wide catalog of courses uh, and all of it is paid, but they also add free webinars here on their Facebook page once in a while. 
And what I like about their catalog course, and again, you could look at different like local photography store if they offer that or other like hobby places. Sometimes they might also offer like photography as classes is, but one thing is because they are a photography store, they can offer a wide variety of topics. Like if you want to learn photo management and different level of photo management, if you want to learn a specific software, uh, they offer, they offer that. If you want to learn about printing, they can offer that. And they also have outings, webinars, or online learning too, or they have like online courses, or they have even in-person classes. And I was talking to them. I was talking to one of the instructors recently. You'll see a bit later for a sad reason why I was talking. I was talking to them, but I was talking to them still. And one of their kind of like photography 101 course is six lessons of three hours which the sixth one is an outing so there's literally we have to go out and shoot photos but the first five one at the end of the session you have an homework and it's not just you go in a room and you sit and then you watch powerpoint which i'm sure it is this way but they have added an homework element to be like okay this week because it's really six Saturdays, one after the other. Um, and so the next Saturday, when you attend your class, the teacher will literally be like, like at school, where are your picture? I want to see the picture. What did you try? And that sounds, that might sound stupid to you, but to me, it was like, I was really excited that they were doing that because they give you the motivation to be prepared for the next lesson and to show that you've tried what you've learned and also you always you already create this feedback loop that is pretty interesting. Yeah, with like uh, online learning or whatever, if you're just watching videos that were made like three years ago or whatever, even if you take the photos, even if they assigned homework and they had you take photos or whatever, you'd have to be the judge of whether or not you did right. it correctly, which you might not necessarily be even qualified to do. Whereas here, you're actually showing them to someone who would actually know their shit and could actually give you feedback that is directly applicable to what you did, which is great. Oh, totally. And I think that's like, I'm pretty still motivated to do the online courses and I'm not saying they're bad because of that, but that I think it's the element missing to go to the next level because it's funny, one of the courses, and you'll see that's my kind of last point where you can get all those skills and knowledge is uh, one of the courses I watched from LinkedIn Learning is they were mentioning like, you can use social network for that where you can mm-hmm. build community. Uh, I cried a bit too because they mentioned Flickr. I know, uh, it's so sad. I think the courses were recorded in 2015. So I was like, oh my God, they showed an iPhone picture. I think it was an iPhone 5. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Uh, so yes, it was really a, a trip back memory lane. But they were like talking about uh, Instagram even, but it was so funny looking at Instagram sheet screenshot from that time. Uh, but yeah, what I meant by talking about social network is we all know about social network. Uh, you might not want to get feedback through them unless you're in a closed source community and you might not want to have feedback from everybody or you in, you might feel a bit shy or afraid to reach out to other photographer online and be like, hey, I really like your picture. Can you help me? Like, again... The uh, in-person lessons as an element where somebody is motivated to give you feedback because you pay them to give you feedback compared to social networks. So th- there's that element nonetheless. 
I, I will say that when I used Flickr for my photos and I posted them in groups or whatever to get feedback, generally people were very nice. I've never really run into uh, bad people on Flickr. Uh, it's mostly other platforms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that's why I mentioned crying a bit when they mentioned Flickr. I guess Flickr is not what it used to be. But... I logged in today. It was very Ooh. spooky. Ooh. Uh, I would assume that the people still using flicker to this they are really really like big into photography and possibly there's it is even more of a niche than it used to be for the topic of it is a social network optimized for photography content and photographer not just all the pictures you can see on instagram like it is right now uh but again sad (laughs) i miss it a lot but again um Last but not least, I don't think it is worth demotivating social network too much because I guess you can find like Discord rooms or Facebook groups or it's not and the same. I'm not saying it's the same, but if you want this feedback loop and for sure without hiring somebody to do that for you, or just doing that again in the comfort of your own, um they, I think there's still a good place for that. And the other thing is I do believe that currently if you don't looking for, if you're not looking for feedback, but if you're looking for a place to inspire you, to allow you to be, not be more creative, but to kind of like let your creative thinking flow, I think like a social network where if you change who you follows for Instagram, for example, where you might, uh, focus on like professional photographers or i was would say vloggers but like travel uh photography or like house photography or street photography you might see inspiring ways and it will help you kind of create more energy around that topic again i haven't done that too much just yet uh, you could still say that either my twitter account or my instagram account are either really ios biased or car biased but um uh, the bare minimum that i did in the recent weeks uh, i was like oh yeah like let's not negate social network too much maybe for the feedback loop part but for seeing what other are doing and like maybe saying hey i want to try what they're doing in this picture not capturing but like the way they compose the subject or the special techniques they use to get this uh i don't know i don't have a clear uh, image in front of me but you you see what i mean like they might use a special technique that they explain quickly oh yeah i want to try that too in my own context with my own subjects uh that i can compose in such a way that they've done is could be really inspiring Overall, that's where the points where I mentioned talking about improving my skills and re-channeling this energy about buying a new gadget into uh, improving my skills, where I could literally spend the amount of money, like worst case scenario, I could even spend the amount of money that I wanted to put on a new camera into private lessons, online learning, even... I'm saying private lessons, I meant courses and even private lessons, which could easily go quickly to a camera budget in lessons alone. Uh, but I felt that overall, I believe, and I still are, I'm going through this journey. So I expect that in the next few weeks and in the next few months, 
I'll be able to report back on some of those learnings and be like, here's what I like, here's what I dislike in the end. But the idea is this is the early stage of my journey into photography. And I'm really happy to kind of like have uh, renewed energy and renewed focus into that. Uh, and also, I talked a lot about the skills of shooting, of composing pictures today. And like, that's where I wanted to have my focus energy. But I know that maybe when this side of my renewed focus or my attention will die down a bit, I know, as I mentioned, either in this episode or even in our previous photography episodes, I suck at photo management. <laughs> but one aspect I already know today that if I start to look at how to improve my skills there is one of the things I realized throughout the years is I don't want to pollute my Apple photo library. And when I say pollute, you can put it in quote. But if I took four or five, 10, 20, 30 pictures of the same, like person or like landscape i don't want to have them always there and i favorited one i kind of need to realize that i need to get some more skills or compose a new process that will allow me to review the pictures and possibly do edits on my top one percent and then import them into photos i don't know how this this uh, workflow will look like right now i kind of wish it will be ipad focused or ipad based uh but again um the reason i bring this up is this is really as its infancy i was starting to watch the the session i was starting to clean my sd cards which i found pictures i forgot to import from a while back which is also a bad idea but i digress uh but the idea is a lot of topics and i realized that photography as a topic is so big that maybe today i'm focusing on or maybe we're always focusing like oh i'm naturally focusing on oh yeah shiny new toy and now i'm like i don't know Focus on improving your shooting skills. Oh, but maybe in three months, I'll be tired of focusing only on that. I might want to focus on photo management skills. Maybe in a year, then I'll be like, yeah, it's time to buy a new camera. So let's go all in and buy a new camera. Uh, but right now, that's where I want to go. And I didn't say in the intro that it's part one, but I know deep down that this is part one of something bigger. So I'm really excited to where I am right now, uh, what's coming next. And I won't make a promise if my next topic episode is going to be about that again. I will not commit on it being that again, but expect for sure in the next few episodes, few months to hear me talk about this more because this is something that is really uh, becoming a, a big hobby right now and I would like to share it. I think I've gotten a lot better at photo management over the last two years, so maybe we'll have something to talk about. Ooh, I'm eager to hear your thoughts about that. But again, I start to realize that there's a, there's a process where I want to make sure that all the photos that get automatically into Apple Photo Library, aka the iPhone pictures, I have a quick way to process them to be like, okay, yeah, like maybe I have like 10 duplicates and then this one is bad and this, that other one. I reinstalled Gemini 2. Yeah. Have you enabled notifications? I have to look into it because I think I did, but. Okay. Because that's been a big thing that I've done over the last couple of months is I've enabled what they call photo radar notifications, which mm-hmm. is every week you get a notification. I think it's on Friday nights for me. I get a okay. notification that says, Oh, we found like 
five new weird cases in your uh, photo library. And it'll tell me, oh, these photos appear to be duplicates. These photos appear to be screenshots that you posted to social media. Are you tired of them? Do you want to delete them? This is a receipt. And it just shows you like this list view of all the new stuff you added over the last week that it has identified as potentially like being this kind of thing you might want to purge from your library and you can just do it from that one screen and then you're done and you move on and you come back next week and basically you have like this you don't really have to think about it actively you just have to like treat the last week each time and it keeps my library very clean uh and i i've become sort of obsessed with uh keeping it clean ever since i think it was two years ago when they redid the photos, uh, the main view in photos where they have like the bigger tiles and all of that stuff. Right. I, I was finding so much useless shit that I was like, okay, well, I should <laughs> clean my library so that at least the big tiles are actual photos I care about and not just random garbage. And uh, I've been using Gemini a lot with regards to that and it's helped a lot. So I think at the very least, if you just want to get started with it, enabling that setting is very good because you can just at least start by doing that weekly review of your photos and it doesn't take very long and it keeps it clean at least for what's happening in the present you you right. still need to go do the long treatment for the past stuff yeah, and yeah i'm yeah. still not over that it's i've been working on it for two years and not done but it helps no for sure and i, I think i'll have to look i was thinking about this mode of gemini 2 recently and i was like why because i recall maybe a couple or even six months to a year ago when you were going all in into gemini you brought it up and i kind of parked that reinstalled it now because i was like oh yeah Nick, talk to me about that but i realized that again i think i didn't didn't enable subscription yet so maybe notification is behind the subscription which would Uh, be a bit shitty but i know it scans because one one funny bug is uh it's inside the photography folder on my iPad, mm-hmm. and the folder has a badge of like six thousand images. Yeah, or, me too. I know it's it's images, but then you open the folder and the app doesn't have the badge, and I'm like, which app it is? And then I realize after a couple of days that it is this one because then you open it, it tells you the number of pictures it's scanned or something like yeah. that. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's the culprit. But uh, good suggestion. I'll look at my settings and report back uh, at what's missing for that uh the other thing for sure cleaning that one thing i realized is i really like one of me look quickly before i lie not on my phone but one of the main widget i had since they added widget on the ipad now obviously now on 15 it's on the home screen is the photo widget i love the photo widget uh and sometimes I see no screenshot, but even like old pictures, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want to see this picture no more. <laughs> so it's kind of why possibly I want to clean it up. And I also seen uh, moments in my life where I use the DSLR and I have a bunch of cameras. And because I was lazy, I just like completely import them into photos where right now I'm kind of looking, especially iPad based. I might say something that people will be like, why are you saying that you have never used this app? And if you were, if you had used this app in the past, you would have regretted it. But every time people talk about Adobe Bridge, it kind of, <laughs> yeah, I know. Get, hear You're me out get for a sec. feedback from my dad. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. But my understanding of Bridge was you put the picture in and then you would let other app do something with the pictures, which kind of what Apple Photo Library is. But what I want to do is I kind of want to have, let me put, the pictures in this software or in this like 
directory in uh, in folders or something like that, and or in Finder, excuse me. And then let me just like triage, but I have like photo editing tools or just like I can see photo metadata, not just the Finder metadata, and I can like quickly like maybe uh, swipe and things like that to process. And then at the end, it's like all the pictures I like, they go in Apple Photos. The rest either they get trashed, either they go in the backup. I haven't figured it out yet, but that's kind of where my thinking is, especially for DSLR, because they don't get, I have to manually import them. So if I add the step where I can a bit like do what you do, like maybe I import them in a bucket every Friday night or I receive a notification reminding me, I go do this, that, that, that. I can slowly but surely process some of them and then uh, import the best ones in photo library so I can get all the benefits of Apple's photo library. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I recall that Gemini has a sort of like Tinder style swipe left, swipe right triage mode for photos that you might actually want to use in that case. I think you're right for for when you import, but I have another app that I need to look into uh, once I have a bit more DSLR pictures. But I think it could do what I'm doing, and it's uh, it was a case this recommendation. Like he, I think it was he knows the developer that builds this. Oh app yeah, I think I remember photos. hearing about that. Yeah, and I think I saw recently that recently could be like a year old or something like that. That they also have an import feature if you pay for the subscription, of course, uh, where it allows you to literally import from a folder from files. Mm. So I was like, hmm, a folder now from files can mean an SD card. Hmm. Oh, that's true. And they do have this, like you like, you delete, uh, but you can do that right now with photos in the Apple Photo Library. So that's my problem is I don't want those pictures to be imported in Photo Library and then do swipe, like swipe like, swipe delete, swipe like, swipe delete. I want to do that first, possibly even going through a Photo image editor. I've reinstalled a uh, Pixelmator photo too, and so I want to learn how to use it properly, uh, and possibly do a couple of the thing, insert GPS tags. This sounds like some weird Casey style uh, work workflow complications <laughs> that know, are like mostly I useless. Know. But <laughs> oh, okay. I'll ignore what you said. I'll uh, imagine. What you I will say that. is like photo management is a very personal. Thing that I everyone know. is going to have a different system from everyone else but sometimes when you actually look at the steps people take and to be comfortable with how their setup is there are just like completely useless steps in the process that could just go directly into apple photos but far fair 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 but in the end my source of truth my goal is my source of truth is always gonna be and still gonna be apple photo library yeah because that's that but again uh, I think not that I'm saying we went too long. I was not expecting to go as long uh, as True. we went on uh, photo management because, again, for this, I really sp- I spent no energy in the last month into that. I just reinstalled a couple of apps, look at where they were at. Uh, and even with iOS 15, I realized that some of the photo apps that I reinstalled, they are no longer necessary, especially to edit timestamps and GPS coordinates yeah. uh, because iOS 15 Photos app does that for you now. So it's pretty neat. Uh, which brings us to our small section about hardware. Yay. Are you excited that we're talking about hardware now? Yeah, it's going to cost me a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Nick, I really want a Fujifilm X100V. Yeah, I'm not please, surprised. 
convince me to not buy one. Uh, can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding aside, though, um, we sp- we talk for uh, I talk for at least forty minutes about how I'm not spending money on cameras, just for of scale. So for sure, I'm not buying one soon. But uh, I kind of realize that it's the main reason why I'm in awe is. And I forgot if I mentioned it in our previous photo uh, photo episodes. And if I did, I'm sorry. We've been doing this podcast for seven years, so I repeat myself. But uh, I've owned my uh, Nikon D500 for 12 years now. Yeah, I think I bought it in 2009, if I recall correctly. Hmm. So, and I, and I think it's even around like September, October 2009. So, or less 12 years. And you bought your NEX, I think, a year after me? 2011, summer 2011. So, so it's so 10 up, years. Yeah, so it's about two years after me. Which meant that mirrorless or even micro forter, that was something that they were using the the LinkedIn learning uh, video I watched. I was like, micro forter, huh? That's I mean, they funny. technically still exist, but not very much. Right, and I think one of the funny comments, again, small tangent, is that uh, they were saying that uh, it, what was nice about Micro Four Third is it was a standard shared by multiple camera ma- camera manufacturers and camera maker. And somebody in the comments of the video in the Q and A section, they were like, "Yeah, it's f- watching that." Then I think it was watching that in 2018. And hear the comments about Micro Four Third made me laugh a lot because yeah, nobody is making like compatible uh, lenses uh, for multiple brands. But because they respect Micro Four Third, uh, they are intention. Uh, ex- in- Why am I blinking on the word? They can be used on different cameras. On I, different I mean, there's they're still being made the lenses for Micro Four Thirds by oh. numerous companies. It's just the only one making uh, cameras right now is Panasonic. Oh, okay, okay. I I was not up to date for that. I just. Uh, I realized that I haven't heard about Micro Four Third in a while, so that made me laugh when it was brought up. In the the standard the video. was made by Panasonic and Olympus, but Olympus isn't making cameras anymore, so it's pretty uh, much just Panasonic. But I, I I thought other people than Panasonic and Olympus adopted Micro Four Third. Uh, lens makers did. I don't think other camera mm, makers did. I see. I see. Again, the video I was watching on LinkedIn Learning was kind of selling this the point that. If you go all in the micro four third, like changing you can't bodies, can't go wrong except until twenty twenty one when there's just Panasonic left, right? Which was quite funny. But again, so small diversion again. Uh, so I bought my D five thousand in twenty nineteen, more or less when it got released, or a bit after. Oh, maybe more. Maybe it's twenty ten. Who cares? Twelve, eleven years ago, and soon after. Uh, mirrorless, microfortured, whatever you want to call it, but mirrorless cameras really went into the, like, they were the nice things, and not only the nice new, shiny new toy, but they were kind of like, these are the future. And people saying that these were the future add multiple reasons, but one of the main reasons is like, look at this tall camera. Yes, it has a big lens on it. Who cares? The body is so small. And after traveling... I was about to say around the world, I did not really, but like traveling a lot with my D500, I don't have that much lenses. I only have two, uh, 1855 millimeter and a 55 to 200 millimeters, but uh, they are quite bulky and traveling with all of that fun stuff makes it even bulkier. 
And that's was my, and it still is my main gripe with the DSLR, the DSLR that I have is I like the image quality, could be a bit better nowadays, but that's fine. But the size was always my main gripe. And looking at the small cameras like the Fujifilm X100, it's like, it's even a prime lens. I never experienced prime lens. I only have kit lenses and they're zoom. So I was like, oh my God, I need something small. Uh, could I make my D500 a bit small? 5000, excuse me, a bit smaller? Yeah, I can, but I need to buy more lenses and I don't want to buy more lenses right now. So uh, I think that's my main point is my next camera, whichever model and brand it is, needs to be small. How small? Smaller than the typical body size of a DSLR like my D5000 is, which if I compare it to other DSLR, they are about DSLR shape and size. Do I care about interchangeable, interchangeable lenses? Ooh, I'm struggling with that thought, Yannick. I am struggling with that thought. I'm not mm-hmm. sure yet. I have to think. I'll have to consider that. But if I slowly but surely introduce the iPhone 13 uh, as a product, if I were to have a better camera that would work, not work around, but would um, would benefit or would be a, a champion where the iPhone falls flat a bit, kind of need a better lens. And not only a better lens, possibly a better zoom lens. So that's kind of where I struggle a bit uh, nowadays, and especially now that we've seen the iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 Pro is where does... I do see the benefit of like bigger sensor. You could also mean print, and I'm not going to full print just yet. But uh, again, other things we're looking at, uh, adding a lot of pictures as decoration in our apartment here and i'm like yeah i have to see it about printing phone uh, phone photos yes they're getting better and everything but if we want to go maybe bigger than four by six or five by seven or nine phone pictures i will uh, channel my dad here because he makes uh, this point every time i talk about uh, (laughs) camera sensors and how i'm not happy with the resolution of my camera sensor okay uh so i think like the camera that he used on most of our trips as a family for like maybe 15 years or something like that was a i believe it was a nikon coolpix 995 um Mm. uh, maybe not 15 years maybe that's a little long but something like 10 years or something like that right uh which was one of the first like enthusiast level cameras from nikon that was really big in the digital space uh, and it was not an interchangeable lens camera. It was like a prime lens camera or whatever. No, actually, it was. I think it was a zoom, but it was like a weird. It, it's really weird camera. It like it folds. It's really strange. Uh, <laughs> go look it up on the internet if you've never seen one before. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that when we went to New York the first time, that was the camera he took. And I think that thing had like a 3.6 megapixel camera. <laughs> wow. Uh, sensor, sorry, and. We've actually printed out photos from that thing and it looks great. And basically, like the point he was trying to make is if you're trying to print out photos, I think like all you need is three megapixels and then you're fine huh. for most DPIs. Um, now, obviously, like it depends if you're going to get like a giant thing printed out and print, like that's a different game, of course. But you, the amount of pixels you need for that kind of printout is not as much as you would think. 
Okay, so if we listen, and I'm sure we'll get follow-up from your dad about this, if we yes. listen to his advice, I don't need to buy a new camera, I just need to replace my iPhone every year, and voila. Problem solved. I mean, if you're satisfied with the quality of your phone, yeah. I mean, that that's the problem I have, is I'm not satisfied with the quality of the phones <laughs> yet. <sighs> I'm not sure where I lie, Yannick, that's the problem. Yeah. I kind of agree with you, but I kind of... I mean, I, th- there's something about a real camera, and I, I, I agree with know you this that. sounds stupid, but it's like, it doesn't feel as serious when you're doing it with your phone, even though the phone is increasingly ma- giving you better and better results every year. Okay, I, I think we're slowly but surely having, having our, vi- uh, our, why, oh, why am I breaking on the word? <laughs> Intervention? Me- no, uh, we're having a... Uh, Vanilla moment. That's thank you. That's oh, why wow I was. Moment? Yeah. Thank you. I was, and I was blinking on. I only had the French pronunciation. That's why I was like. But yes, I, we have our. Why am I blinking again on the pronunciation? It doesn't want to come out. Sorry vinyl. about that. Thank you. Vinyl uh, moment, which is like, it's not better. It's just we like to feel better. We we like the feelings around like having a camera, like looking well, in the viewfinder. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to channel my inner boomer here and say that I don't <laughs> believe it's better yet, but. You can go on. Oh, you mean the phone camera is not better yet? Oh, I'm, my phone camera is not better than my NEX right now. I can guarantee you Ooh. that. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the best example, and again, uh, to interject with the iPhone 13 again, I was watching some uh, video reviews. I even watched the one you sent me yet. I was watching the Tyler Stallman one, and he was mentioning that, and... This is the type of problem that when somebody points it out and I've seen, like, it was not the first one to point it out. So I was like, yeah, he's right. But like the the ghosting effect you see from iPhone lenses, like since somebody like showed me that, I'm like, oh my God, I don't mind it. Like you can watch video, YouTube videos about this and such. But if you want to have great quality, like I, as a person that watched a lot of phone content like content made on phone cameras every time i see ghosting in a video i'm like yeah it comes from an iphone and it shows because of that so i hope at some point they fix that it's also Uh, funny because i know how when people are shooting on sony is because of the rolling shutter issues it's like oh really we we know how to pick out the the specific weaknesses (laughs) of each camera yes 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 so yeah so um uh i don't know what i'll do so again in paris's of choice i decided to do another choice so that's uh, I mean, more it, right now it sounds like the best choice because you're not spending any money on either one yeah yeah and again uh one comment i didn't make though is uh i kind of wish i forgot that i had to do that i wanted to add that i guess i skipped uh, this part of my notes but one of the reason why i kind of wish i had a bit more content today uh which i was planning to if i were to talk about this is to also come back and be like hey i've attended my first in-person class for this yeah but uh, sadly, when I book some in September, uh, for more or less attendance purposes, uh, it got canceled and moved to October. And October, we're recording on the 7th, and my session is on the 18th or 16th. I have to look it up, but more or less in a couple of weeks. Um, and surprisingly enough, I was utterly disappointed. I was really, really sad when the teacher called. I was like, I'm really sorry to tell you this. Uh, but again, that's where I got the nugget about other questions and talking about their kind of like like Photography's Basics program and like talking about this concept of homework. I was like, 
I want to do this. Kind of wait, doing wait and see approach right now. I'll wait maybe closer to November to go book it. Uh, uh, especially see if I'll have a class in two weeks uh, that I can attend yeah. uh, or not. Uh, but yeah. Another thing uh, that is fully related to hardware that I kind of realized in the past few weeks is trying to rent hardware in Montreal that is not the typical camera that pros will would like to rent. It's pretty mm. hard. Like I couldn't get an A7R, like like this. Three shops and even like not only three stores, but like dedicated like I guess cinetom- cinematography like rentals, like have stuff. But all of it is really like optim like professional optimized. And again, I guess that's where they make the most money. That's fine. But I kind of wish either U.S. general rental service would ship to Canada or that. One company in Canada would do the typical, like, we have a warehouse in the middle of the country and then we ship from everywhere, which I think that's what LensRental.com is doing uh, in the US. Uh, because seriously, I think that might have been dangerous. Hear me out for a sec, though. But I kind of wish I would just like maybe for the sake of like spending $100, I would have rented the X100V for a weekend or for a week for maybe $200 and like have fun for doing that week. Yeah, that's Maybe. what I would have recommended to you if you hadn't mentioned that doesn't seem to be possible. Yeah, I looked around and usually like a lot of the places that they do renting, they have like a limited availability of camera models. And again, it's really I am optimized, like full frame, which I guess could be fun too, but <laughs> spend uh, even more money. <laughs> surprisingly enough, not too much. But again, with the possible downside that it's like, oh my god, now I want I only want to have uh, full frame cameras. That's that why could I don't be, do it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the other problem, and I guess that's also the problem with renting is then you try it for a week and you're like, I want it. Uh, but again, I I think especially to uh, go back to what you were saying about the X the RX one hundred seven six five whatever mark you want to buy, uh, that could have been a nice camera just to rent out, as you mentioned, just to be able to say that like you've enjoyed it and now you like really can say like oh yeah like, i took a phone a picture with my iphone 12 or iphone 11 pro and then i took a camera with the rx105 and yes ignoring the zoom functionality it's more or less the same quality or not but at least uh being able to enjoy and having those moments in the next few months say hey this weekend uh my activity is gonna go rent a camera and go enjoy it uh, walking around, taking pictures, or we're going up north on a chalet, something like that. And that's what I bring up. I would have enjoyed that liberty or that possibility. Again, if you're from Quebec, listening to my voice, or even in Canada and they ship to Quebec, if you know of a service like that, please send it my way because I would have enjoyed a renting service, a rental service with more different brand availability, different model where I could, let's say, hey, every month or so I spent $50 or $100 uh, on a camera for a weekend and it just rented it and then I returned it after or I go bring it back to a shop that offers that and would allow me to have fun in a different way with cameras. Sounds great. I know you had some comments about iPhone 13 to make in our hardware section. Yeah, so uh, one of the big features, well, I don't know if it's a big feature, but one of the features that was announced for the camera on iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 Pro is photographic styles. Uh, And 
I am surprisingly a little bit excited about this. Ooh, okay. I was not expecting you to be excited. I was expecting you to have outtakes for wheels. No, 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 no. Uh, so the funny thing is I sort of have a filter on... Uh, so I use Darkroom on my phone whenever I take phone photos to basically apply a filter on all of my photos that does exactly what photographic styles would let me do. So hmm. it would let me basically bake in my preference for uh, vibrancy and contrast and images directly into the camera app and not have to do it in post, which would mean that uh, photos would be ready to share immediately instead of needing me to tap three, four things and wait for five seconds to actually have the images look how I want. Um the one little uh, thing that uh, is sort of a downside about this is that um, Gemini, which is what I use to uh, clean out the duplicates and all of that stuff, if there are duplicates and there is one that was edited, it will prioritize keeping that one to the ones that are not edited. And usually if I have a bunch of duplicates, that's how I know the one that I'm actually using uh, and keeping because I don't necessarily want to favorite all of them. Um, mm -hmm. and if I apply a photographic style to all the photos and I take five photos of the same thing, then I don't know which one is the canonical one anymore because there's no edit flag set on it. Right. So that's the main concern I have about photographic styles. But one day, whenever I upgrade my phone, I'm actually excited to have this feature and actually be able to set the profile to the thing I want. And hopefully it will give a result that resembles what I am having right now with Darkroom. And I have a very similar uh, filter in uh, Pixelmator Photo, which does basically the same thing for my uh, my mirrorless photos as well. So I have like a consistent look to all my photos, no matter which camera I take them on. Uh, they all have the same sort of color uh, look that I enjoy, which is really nice. Uh, so I mean the S the SLR, sorry, the mirrorless photos are going to have the edited flag, but I guess the phone ones aren't. Um, and in general, I wish uh, Apple Photo Library had more uh, tools for triage and that stuff, because only having basically favorites as an option that I can sort of use to uh, flag something so that. Uh, Gemini doesn't delete it is not enough for me. I wish there were other fields that Gemini could pick up on, but there's just nothing because it's not built that way and it kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, photographic styles looks great. I don't really have much of an opinion on the rest of the camera system because the rest of the camera system just seems like it's better, <laughs> mostly. Um, I don't really care about the two other lenses. I only care about the normal lens, uh, which is why like you were talking about how all of your lenses are zooms and I'm sort of the opposite on uh, my camera where I have a bunch of primes and the zoom that it came with my camera. And I never <laughs> use the zoom that came with my camera. I just swatch the primes. And these days I just use the Sigma 30 millimeter for everything. And I'm fine with that. I'm kind of better at zooming with my feet, I guess, than I am with an actual zoom lens. But yeah, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Oh, that's good. That's, that's good. Again, I guess that that will conclude uh, our hardware section. So I hope that uh, this week um, you shared our passion for our strange passion for photography, because I guess it, it is our way to enjoy uh, photography. And I really hope that, again, in the weeks to come, in the months to come, that we will able to kind of keep that topic a bit more alive than we used to do in the past, especially with me and my current journey of improving my skills and who knows possibly buying a camera but I should not say that 
<laughs> I shall not say that. And that is it for me, Yannick. All right. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can find them at limitlesspossibility.net slash 169. You can also find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. The show is on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. Or you can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Nicodivie at Lukonosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.